All right. It's not often that moment transitions from me to me, but it did. <laughs> so here we are. We're, we're continuing to talk about joy, and we're talking about God joy, and this whole thing of God joy in all seasons is what we'll kind of dig into today. And that God joy is for us in any season of life. And I think like just a couple things that I think about with this is as we get into it is I feel like this is the fourth week of this God joy series and we have talked more about suffering than anything else. And maybe that's kind of strange or something to you, but I think that tells us a couple things. One is we're not sugarcoating this, okay? This isn't like about a, a fake sort of joy or uh, just covering up the hard things in life or ignoring them and just putting kind of a smiley, happy face on top of that. It's not about that. And it's that joy is even more important for us when life is hard. That we need this God joy that gives us strength in these times where life is difficult and it's important in all seasons. And that's why I love the, that, that kids, that little kids song, at least when I was a kid, kids worship song. It's like, I got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Where? Down in my heart. Where? Sorry, if you didn't grow up in the church, I apologize for that. That's the kind of stuff we sang in the 80s or the 70s or whatever, but maybe still now probably. But like, you know, I've got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. And so where is that joy? Well, I think that song is is actually wildly profound, even though it's the most sort of ridiculous <laughs> song as well. But this joy is, is not on the surface. It's not just on our, on our smile. It's deep, deep, deep down. It's down in our hearts. And this joy is deep down. And because it's deep down in us, no matter what we're going through, that joy sustains us in all seasons. We have this joy in all seasons. And, you know, I just think about even what's stuff going on in the world right now. And that's really hard to say about joy when there's a world at war and there's people suffering horrifically. It's hard to say when 10 people are murdered yesterday in Buffalo simply out of hate for what their race is. Like that, the fact that that exists um, is so hard then to be, you know, how do we have joy in that? We don't have joy because of that, but we can have joy through even any of these times because that's what sustains us. That's what holds us up. But sometimes we just need to say, you know what? Like a lot of that stuff's just too hard. Like I, let's stop. I, I even just would want to even stop now and pray. Pray for that because sometimes we just say, Lord, as the scriptures say, I don't know what to do, but my eyes are on you, Right? I don't know what to do about war. I don't know what to do about hate so much that people just murder one another. So my eyes are fixed on you, Lord. We cry out to you. Let's pray even for that. Lord, we recognize that this is a, a dark and hurting world. In a world that needs you, God. A world that needs your love, your grace. Lord, your your, even your conviction, bringing that into people's lives to turn away from evil and turn towards you, God. And so I pray for people suffering in this world right now, whether that's people in, in New York or if that's people in Ukraine or if that's 
us in this room even hearing about these things, God. And so we ask, Lord Jesus, for your spirit to move and to work and to comfort and to hold up and to sustain and to give a joy from you that gives strength. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And so we got to talk through this, right? We got to talk through this about this joy in all seasons because sometimes it's the, sometimes we're in spring and summer or things are good, but sometimes we're heading into fall and into winter and things are really, really hard. And we need this joy in all of it. We need a God joy in all seasons. We'll get to this passage in Habakkuk that you see there in a minute. But I have a few things I kind of want to just talk through about having a joy in all seasons. And the first is this. Joy celebrates the success of others. When we have a God joy, we're able to be excited when other people are, are doing well, when other people are having success. There's this really interesting passage in John 3, and it's John the Baptist talking about Jesus. And he says this. He says, it's the bridegroom who marries the bride. And the bridegroom's friend is simply glad to stand with him and hear his vows. Right? It's not about him. It's not about the friend. It's about the bride and the groom. And then it says, Therefore, John says, I am filled with joy at his success. He must become greater and greater, and I must become less and less. So John the Baptist, as he comes and he enters the scene, and he's kind of, everybody's like, whoa, what's the deal with this guy? And they're paying attention to him. He's recognizing, no, 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 this is not about me. This is about Jesus. So I'm trying to turn all eyes upon Jesus, he says. So it's ultimately about that is what he's speaking of. But I think there's this kind of compelling lesson in there for us that we can have joy when other people are doing well, not just when we do well. We kind of live in this world where we're a bit sort of like, I don't know, we're, we are so triggered by everything or everything's like hard that it seems like where because something is hard for me, someone else can't be happy, right, at that time. And so we need to be able to recognize like, oh yeah, like I, I am able to be like, whether that's holidays or moments in life or someone gets the promotion and you didn't get it. Right? Is there a moment where you can say, oh, I celebrate that person, or they got into that school that you've been hoping to get into and you didn't? Can you celebrate their success? I, I feel like this is the ultimate with um, like uh, any of these award shows, like the Oscars or the Emmys or whatever, like when it's, you know, you're nominated and you're excited, and then there's that moment where they announce the winner, and if you don't win, and it's like instantly the camera's on you, and you go, yay, I'm so happy for you. You know, it's like fake joy at other success in those sorts of moments. I even just saw this little video online that was, uh, I think it was Eddie Redmayne who was saying he was going to some award show with his mom as his date, and he's like, mom, uh, here's the thing you can't be all mad when I don't win, okay? You can't just be like mad face because the camera's going to be right on us and you have to be happy for the other people. And he was like getting all on her about this. And then he actually won. And I guess his mom was just sitting there like this, all like scared because <laughs> she didn't know what to do because she was so stressed out. And, and like we get weirded out about how to react when people succeed in life and it's not us. And so for us, like let's have this joy in other people. We might even have like really hard stuff that's happening and someone else is having something wonderful that's happened. But Joy's like says, okay, I can celebrate with you. Because comparison is the thief of joy. 
Comparison is what will rob you of your joy. They got into that school, you didn't. Ah, I'm not as good as them, and now I don't have joy even though I got into this cool school, whatever that is, right? Like, we we need to be able to have this this ability to celebrate with one another. And so I want to encourage us in that, even when it's hard, even when it's really deep down, and we don't, you know, we we don't, like, want to be excited about what's happening because we're feeling something. Let's not just allow that to rule over everything we do. We get it that sometimes these things are triggers for our grief. And then I think what Joy says is, you know what? Dig deep into that grief. That's okay. But dig deep into like the the success and the excitement for another. Because Joy digs deep into both the highs and the lows. And here's what I mean by Joy digs deep into them. I think joy, having this God joy allows us to engage in whatever emotion is happening fully. We want to be able to engage into it fully. Whether that's grief, we go into it. Like, don't hold back. If it's, if it's uh, celebration and excitement, we go into it. Don't hold back, right? And what I mean by that is a little bit of, uh, from this verse in Luke 7, okay? Now, this is Jesus speaking about the Pharisees. And he says this. He says, They are like children who sit in the marketplace and call to one another, and they say, We played the flute for you, and you did not dance. We sang a dirge, and you did not weep. Okay, let me keep going, and then we'll go back to that. It says, For John the Baptist has come eating no bread and drinking no wine, and you say, He has a demon. The Son of Man has come eating and drinking. And you say, Behold, a gluttonous man and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Yet wisdom is vindicated by all her children. All right, so back a little bit to this whole thing of we played the flute for you, you didn't dance. We sang a dirge, you didn't weep. Like a dirge is a funeral song. And so they're just saying like, You're not entering into any of this emotion, right? You're not engaging into any of this. If this is a funeral song, be sad. Engage in the sadness. If this is a a wedding song, dance. But you're not dancing and you're not grieving. You're just nothing, right? You're just flat and nothing and all about rules, all about procedures. And that's why we need to have that joy deep, deep, deep down Because that joy strengthens us and we can just go into the sadness. We can go into the the celebration, either one. But these people had no emotion whatsoever. No celebration whatsoever. They couldn't acknowledge who Jesus was. They judge John the Baptist for abstaining from things. And then they judge Jesus for going and eating and drinking with sinners and tax collectors. Right? And so for, for Jesus, he's like, hey... Engage in this. Go into it fully. So joy is able to dig deep into those highs and lows. But these Pharisees had, had none of it. And <laughs> almost like there's no crying like the people in Nehemiah 8 even. There's no crying over the conviction of sin and the guilt that they have over their sin. There's nothing there for them. And Jesus wants us to have that, dig into that, and we'll come out of it, I think, so much better. And it relates to this thing I talk about in, in this book, God Joy. Well, that is, there's a whole chapter actually called this, Laughter at Funerals. Okay? So Laughter at Funerals. I actually thought about calling the book Laughter at Funerals because um, I think it actually really describes what God Joy is about. And you might think, you are crazy. What are you talking about, about laughter at funerals? Now, 
Let me explain this through telling a, a story of a, a really good friend of mine who passed away um, like several years ago now, five years ago or so. And his, his name's Timo Kubota. He was, uh, he was like, we went to high school youth group at church together. He was one of my groomsmen. I was one of his groomsmen. We went to every, almost every U2 show I've ever been to, probably like 20 of the 25 U2 shows I've been to in my life. <laughs> he went with me. We were just super buddies and all of that. So, you know, he was like a close, close, super close friend. And uh, he got, he's married two young children um, and he got colon cancer. And in his early 40s, I remember sitting with him across from, just across a table at a meal where he wanted to tell me what was going on. And he said, yeah, the doctors have said I've got less than 10 years to live. And a few months later, he died. And just brutally hard, brutally hard. He declined super fast. And so his wife, his two young kids, all these, you know, just us as friends, I mean, just so, so wrecked. And I'm just trying to like a little bit of bite in my cheek, you know, right now, just because it's like you feel this, this such a close, close person that I love. And... I've been sad at many moments in my life, other moments that I've talked to you about here, my mom's death, sad, that story of our miscarriage and struggle with that, super sad, grieving deeply. But this time, when, when Timo died, I was pissed off. I was mad at God, and I let God know it. I let God have it. And you know what? God understood that. I think that sometimes we need to be able to express the depths of our heart to God and to feel free to do that. And I did. And I mean, you see it in the Psalms, you see it throughout this, like, this kind of brutal honesty with the Lord. Now, I didn't stay in that state forever. I, I was in that state and God accepted that and God ministered to me in that and moved to a point of grief that was kind of just, just grief without the anger as much. But, but yeah, that was like a way for me of processing some of that. And then we had Timo's funeral, and I haven't laughed that hard in so long. <laughs> and again, that probably sounds weird, but if you think about funerals or memorial services you've been to, I bet you laughed a lot. You probably cried, and you probably laughed both. Um, Timo's wife had us like for his his memorial, we did the way, what, what she chose to do is like, hey, like, I don't want to have it in, it was actually here. Um, I don't want to have it in the chapel. I want to have it in the fellowship hall, round tables. We had a taco guy. She asked everybody to wear um, either like rock, band, like rock concert shirts or Star Wars shirts because he was a total Star Wars nerd. And so everybody like showed up in those. We ate tacos. We shared stories from stage. We laughed. We sang some, you know, and all that. And it was just this like, it was this celebration of life, but it was, it was just like a, a way of expressing it that was, it felt super different in that way. And, you know, I think about how in the midst of that, the, I said the room was buzzing with joy and laughter and grief all at the same time. Joy and laughter and grief all at the same time. It was a tragic, tragic death. 
in a tragic, tragic moment. But we shared stories, funny stories. Timo is a funny guy. He had a mustache when he was like 12. It was weird. You know, we, we laughed about that. And, and, you know, so we're just like sharing these stories together. And, and it, was, it was good and it was healing. And I think that there's something with that. There's something with this like laughter at funerals that as we kind of process through the stories and through all the stuff that we're going through, we're, we're kind of, we're finding this joy that's deep, 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 deep down. We're feeling the grief here, but we're processing through that and this joy that sustains us. That joy doesn't just make us chipper and happy in the midst of that moment. Like I remember even at my mom's, my mom's funeral, if any of you guys, I know so many people were there at my mom's funeral was over there in Sanswick Chapel and I like had a massive breakdown. Like I like, <laughs> I cried harder than I ever had. I'm sharing and I like fell down the ground. It was very dramatic, uh, but, I, but I cried so hard and, uh, it was just like really came over me. But then at the same time, like within a couple minutes of that, I was laughing at stories that people were sharing. It's like such a strange, interesting moment, but I think it kind of speaks to this, this sense of like, okay, we, we dig into both the high and the low. We dig into the realness and the, the, the real emotions of what is happening in that. And then this joy that is God-given will sustain us. Now, I'd like to uh, invite someone up to kind of share a little bit about how joy sustains us and really kind of like the origins of this whole thing. And it's my amazing wife, B. Wakeling. So come on up. Let's welcome her up here. <laughs> Hello. Hello. <laughs> How's it going? You love being up here, don't you? I do. <laughs> being on stage in front of lots of people is my favorite. <laughs> But you teach, you teach people every day, but it's just in batches of 30 or so? Yes. Yes. Okay. And I get to like, it, it doesn't feel so like distant. I like, They're like, I like the outfit, by the way. It's looking good. I thought that was what you're supposed to do. <laughs> the, the speaker uniform, I thought. <laughs> well done. All right, yeah, this was definitely what she did after I'd left the house before she got dressed for the day today. So it's awesome. I like that you did that. Um, all right. So... Why this verse? Like, what, like what's the deal? Like, how did, we get, how did we get here with the Nehemiah 8.10 stuff, right? I basically taught him everything he knows. Um. <laughs> it's kind of, it's, <laughs> yeah, there we go. This is much welcome more welcome or I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, well, I, I happen to have a tattoo that says. Um, tattoo, wow. I do, I'm wild. <laughs> what everyone says about me. <laughs> Um, I have a tattoo. It says, um, beware of triathletes. They're insane. Uh, or annoying, more likely. Yeah. No. I was being nice. <laughs> okay, okay. What is uh, that? No, it actually says, for the joy of the Lord is my strength. Um, in Hebrew. In Hebrew, yes. Yeah. Awesome. So why did you do that? <laughs> well, I really do love this verse, but... Um, I think God loves symbolism and symbolic gestures, and I think that um, we need constant reminders, right? Um, binding God's word on our heart, on our forehead, writing it on my arm. <laughs> um, and the whole verse, I think, is, is super important. I just didn't have the arm space for it. Um, that, um, you know, eat the fat, drink the sweet. Like, I love good, good food and, and good people, good conversation. Um, sharing with those who have nothing prepared is such a um, conviction of my heart to care for other people. And then um, do not be grieved. Grief is such a heavy weight that we can carry. 
And then to finish that, instead of, you know, God could have said, like, I'll be the strength that you need. He said that, you know, the joy of the Lord, that joy is, is the strength that sustains. And I wanted that to be the mantra in my mind when, when I faced hard things, that the joy of the Lord is my strength. And um, that, I know you've talked about this being something that's repeated in other parts of the Bible, but um, my freshman year at Biola, um, you know, you go away to college and you face lots of things, and one of them is loneliness. And I think in that um, extreme loneliness, I sought the Lord, and I was uh, reading the Bible, and that's how I ended up um, in Habakkuk, of all places. Um, you go to Bible school to end up in Habakkuk. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> and um, this verse um, in Habakkuk 3, I think, was deeply... I'm not a farmer. I I feel like so it's kind weird of. You that, have chickens. Well, okay. Yeah, yeah. I wasn't at, at 18. I definitely wasn't. Okay, okay. But um, I don't even like figs. Um, <laughs> even though the it says even though the fig trees have no blossoms and there are no grapes on the vines, even though the olive crop fails and the field lies empty and barren, which is like such like all things are bad, right? That's basically what he's saying. Even though everything is bad, even though the flocks die in the fields and the cattle barns are empty, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. That yet to me, that mm-hmm. I'm such a nerd, the qualifier there. Uh, um, it is, a, yeah, it, it is like, even though all of this, I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in the, Lord, in the God of my salvation the sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes me as sure-footed as a deer, able to tread upon the heights. And I think that, like, sets you free a little bit in your, like, I can be sad in this, and I also, like, I don't have to be the strength. I can, like, God is that strength, and that strength comes with this, like, ripple effect of joy. And I'm grateful for that moment now, but then I wasn't. I was like really, really upset about it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so you had that moment of loneliness in college, but like tell us just a little bit more of the story of your childhood and how maybe without even knowing this verse, how like God's joy was sustaining you. Totally. Um, my life, just like yours, starts before me, right? The ripple effect of my parents' lives, my dad, uh, my birth father um, struggled with alcohol abuse from like his preteens on. Um, my parent, he had been married multiple times before he met my birth mom. And then um, I was like a total shock to the situation because uh, my dad was 57 and my mom was 42. So there's lots of like layers to that. Um, and then my, you know, I grew up in this home of lots of like volatility and anger and yelling. And, um, and then my dad who had struggled with alcohol abuse and had been a, um, dedicated smoker, um, died from cancer and all sorts of medical problems. I was only, I had, um, I had only just turned four, like the week before, um, or the week after he passed away, I turned four. And then it was just my mom and I, my older brother is nine years older than me and I. And he was a teenager going through a lot of things and he was angry and he struggled with drug abuse and he was very abusive. Um, and my childhood was a lot of fear and um, 
being by myself and raising myself. I don't have a lot of memories of my birth mom. She, um, I, like a ghost of a person in my, in my memories. She, I don't remember her voice or what her face looks like. I can remember her face based on pictures. And um, my, one of my siblings from my dad's previous marriage, um, she, and she was 20 years older than me. We both have like weird like age gaps in our mm-hmm. stories with our parents and our siblings. Um, she would check in on us often and found me alone often. And so she took the three of us in, and that's when my birth mom was diagnosed with early onset Alzheimer's disease. And um, she passed away when I was only um, 14, but um, she had to be put into a nursing home. And we lived with this new family where I went from being by myself all the time and only taking care of me as a four, five, six year old to a family that that would love and care for me and I mean stop for a second because you're I feel almost like you're underselling it like at the same time too like when you were five or something like that you were going to kindergarten but like waking up your mom was so yeah it's weird so sick yeah you were waking yourself up getting yourself dressed making your own breakfast packing yourself up walking to school and getting to school and getting home all on her own at age five. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's unbelievable. Yeah. Um, first, it's awful that you had to do that. But secondly, I mean, you're kind of amazing <laughs> that you could do that uh, at some level, I think. Um, yeah, and the ripple effect of that is like a, right? Like I, I, you just do what you're doing, right? When you're living through something that's hard, you're just like living through the thing and you don't realize even how like ginormous it is, or you don't see it from any other perspective until like when, like when Grace was little and she'd fall down and she'd scrape her knee and I'd swoop her up in my arms and, you know, all of those things and think about, oh my gosh, like nobody did that for me and mourning that too. Like I had to go through that process of, and I think that is like that, that verse in Habakkuk is like that constant, like cyclical seasons is such a like apropos term because it is like, like I I had to see that again. I even, you know, like all of the abuse, all those things, like those things aren't just like it's done and it's in the past. Like that's a, the ripple effects of those and having to deal with that at different stages of life is very real and can't be underestimated. And so then your half sister and her husband take you in. Yeah, which God bless them for, you know, they had two small children of their own and then adopt, literally adopt a a seven and a half year old and this absolute train wreck of a teenager who were hurting and were lost. And um, they, we moved to Simi Valley and they put us into a private school. I'd never been to church. I'd never heard of God. I'd never like read anything in the Bible to that point in my life. I was, um, when we moved to Simi Valley, it was fifth grade. um, And I had uh, Mrs. Murphy was my teacher. She's still like, I just was showing Erica a picture of her the other day on Facebook because she's still like this hero in my life because she, to me, was joy. She just radiated it out of every pore in her body. And she had had an insanely hard life. Like she grew up in the South in the 60s. She talked about having to like leave school to go work on like a farm. Like she had a really hard life and she shared that with us and to like, to me as a kid, like she's the one that I prayed the prayer of salvation with. She's the one that like really instilled in me this heart for 
pursuing God, I guess, mm. even, even in all of this brokenness, right? Mm. So how then for you did, because you've talked about how looking back, you feel like it was this joy of the Lord that sustained you through that. And that's part of why this verse became meaningful to you. Like, what was that like for you? Yeah, it's, I don't think that joy is my like go-to emotion. I don't even, like if anyone sees me, they always think that I look sad because like my thinking face is a sad face. <laughs> I don't mean to, it's just like the, I, I just said know. it this, I just said I it this morning when I left. I'm like, are you okay? <laughs> no, I was like, I'm just tired of thinking. I don't know. Like it's just like my go-to is I, I, I'm constantly in my head thinking and dissecting and I tend to be very critical mostly of myself. I'm sorry also probably others, the Lord's doing a work in me. Um, and joy, so I have to pursue this. I have to pursue joy. I have to really force myself. And that is like part of that being here when I'm looking down, I'm downtrodden and reminding myself like, no, no, no. Like the, the, the thing we want to pursue is the joy of the Lord because that's what gives you strength. Wallowing, it does not, it, right? It just continues to break break you down. I think that's a big, right. big, big part of that for me. That's the thing. There's like a season of the wallowing. Like oh, there's sure. the grief, but like, yeah, the joy sustains you through it. Yeah, that's cool. Tell us just quickly kind of about like your name change because what's your actual, what's your I name? Know, I don't know how, yeah, this is not a common thing. People just rename themselves. Um, <laughs> so I was born Rebecca um, and I, only my mom calls me that. Um, <laughs> Or like Starbucks, because nobody knows what B is when they when I have to like spell it 17 times. Um, yeah, so um, when we went to private school, I was in a classroom, tiny private schools, you know, Rebecca, Becky, and Becca were already there, and then I came, and they were like, oh, my last name was Brant, so they called me BB because it was Becky Brant. And isn't like it wasn't mean, but it was like funny, like, oh, like we can't shorten this name anymore. <laughs> and um, I kind of went by that for a couple years. And then in seventh grade, I decided, like, no, I want to, like, I, hate, I, I hated Rebecca. Like, it, wasn't, it just didn't fit me. Like, it felt like I put on, like, the wrong size shirt or something. <laughs> and um, I wanted to go by something else. And Rebecca means captivating. And that feels a lot of, like, pressure to me. <laughs> I really don't want to be captivating. Um, you are captivating. Oh, thank uh, you. Yeah. It's you. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so I decided, so on the first day of school, you know, the teacher's like, if you go by anything else, tell me. And I, like, it sounds so silly, but, like, I was so brave in that moment to say, I, um, my name is B. I go by B. And um, B-E-A, and I spelled it for them. And they all were like, okay, and they wrote it down, and that was the end, right? But B means bringer of joy. And I feel like, to me, that's not a, like... I mean, you're welcome, uh -huh. but you know, um, it's not a, it's a, it's a, it's a goal. It's not a state of existence, I guess. It's like, this is what I want. I want to bring joy. I want to bring joy to my students. I want, um, I love teaching the classes that I teach. Most of the classes I teach are for students who don't love English or feel like that's their best thing. And to bring like joy into that classroom and make it feel like a safe place to struggle and grow and I don't know. I feel like that to me is a conviction of like, I can, I can aim for that. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, 
I thank you for being a bringer of joy because <laughs> you are. You are a bringer of joy. And it's crazy. Like, she's literally like the bringer of joy. Like, so like, if you think, like, so I wrote this whole book on the joy of the Lord through strength, and I basically just stole it all from my wife. <laughs> so thank you very much. It's plagiarism. That's why it's dedicated to her. <laughs> thank you, babe. Thank you. Love you. Oh. Um, and so I want us to be able to have this, to have this joy that sustains us in all seasons, through all of the moments, through all of the seasons of hurt, through all the seasons of happiness, whatever we are in, that joy can sustain us. And so I want to take us through a little bit of a prayer process here. So I want you to kind of get settled a little bit. If you've got stuff out, you can kind of put it away, get comfortable. After this, I'm going to invite you, when we have some, we're going to sing a couple more songs in a moment, but just to come to the prayer points. And, and to come to these prayer points, there'll be people available, pray with you if you have any, any healing you need, any strength you need, any joy you need for whatever your current season is, that we want to be able to pray with you through that. But I want to pray with you through a bit of a process right now. So what I'd encourage you to do is just to, to close your eyes. Close your eyes. Take a deep breath in and out. I want you to allow the Holy Spirit to minister to your heart right now. I want you to consider what season am I in? Is this a hard time? Is this a winter? Or am I in the spring and seeing the hope? Renewing. But with you and, and God, identify and feel the emotion you're experiencing right now as you think about where you are. The struggle, the suffering, the joy, whatever it could be. Take a moment and identify and feel that emotion. Now, take a moment to consider what's the root event of that emotion? To ask God, Lord, when was the first time I experienced this feeling? this has been a point of pain to discern the lie that crept in that you believed. Jesus, what did I come to believe in the midst of this? What lie did I allow to creep in from the enemy?
And now I ask God, Lord, what truth do you have to tell me, to communicate with me about that lie? What truth does God want to speak into that lie you believed from that pain you experienced? Maybe God is speaking his love to you, his unconditional love. Receive that. Maybe God is speaking his grace to you. Receive his grace. Receive his strength in your weakness. Receive the blessing of being part of his family, his eternal family. And experience his freedom. Freedom from shame. Freedom from guilt. Freedom from all the lies as you live in the truth of who he is and who you are because of what he has done for you and his love for you. And as you keep your eyes closed, just to recognize that there is probably a lot more to this than these two minutes here as we process through it. And it would be so good for you to continue to pray through this. So as we worship today, you'll have that opportunity to come up to receive prayer. We also have an incredible prayer ministry that you can get more prayer and to go through an even further process of healing. Almighty God, I pray in the name of Jesus that you would give each person here in this room a joy that is deep, deep down in their heart, God. That is not dependent on their circumstances. That is not dependent on the season they are in. But is a joy from you, from the depth of their being, that strengthens and sustains them through every season, God. May we be healed. May you be healed in the name of Jesus. Of all that robs you of your joy. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Love for you to come up and pray with us at the prayer points as we continue to sing and worship.